Welcome back to the Wooden Bats podcast, a podcast where two brothers who are lifelong New England sports fans come together once a week to share their love for sports together. My name is Darren Woods, and I am joined, as always, by my brother Dylan. Yep, welcome back. Yeah, real quick, uh, before we truly get started, I want to apologize for there not being a podcast last week. There were some unfortunate audio issues on my end, so that was the reason why there was not a podcast, but this week will hopefully be different. We will see. I mean, if the podcast is up and listenable, then you know that it's there, so. Yeah, and also, if this ends up getting scrapped too, then, like, no one would even hear it, so, like, it's kind of a thing where, I mean, is it even worth mentioning? Because the only way that anybody would hear it is is if it all went fine, so it's it's kind of a risky maneuver by you. Let's just get into the sports before people click off, okay? Okay. But, yeah, um, lately, especially for two teams in Boston sports right now, things are not really looking so good. I, I guess we can start with... The Celtics, I mean, they've played, um, they're playing the Bucks now. They are, game three just wrapped up uh, last night. Right now they are down two games to one. They won game two by, I think, a pretty sizable margin, but they lost uh, game one and three by pretty close margins. Game three especially had a very uh, wild ending, which I'm sure that we'll talk about. But yeah, um, Dylan, what are your thoughts on this series so far? I think someone objectively objectively looking at this series would probably see it going to be a like a guaranteed six or seven games, leaning towards seven just with how it's gone so far. But as a Celtics fan, I am worried about dropping game four as well and then all of a sudden being in a 3-1 hole and maybe even facing elimination in, in game five in Boston. So I am worried about that. But I think, I think if I was looking at this not as some sort of pessimistic fan, but just no bias at all. I think it would make sense for the series to go seven, but obviously it would have been nice to win game three. The Celtics, after being down by 14 points, came back and had a one-point lead with a minute left, and I thought really had an excellent chance of almost icing the game with a, with a Marcus Smart wide open three with uh, about a minute left, which ended up missing. So right there, just through the course of the fourth quarter, that was where I kind of peaked my, like like this shot needs to go in. I thought that was really where the Celtics could have delivered the death blow to the Bucks, and it really could have been for the series because then you're talking about being up two one and having a chance to do what the Bucks are doing right now. So obviously game four is big as well, but yeah, I would say pretty even so far. Bucks pretty handily won game one. Celtics even more handily won game two, at least points wise. But yeah, I think just watching all three games, these two teams are very closely matched. Both of their defenses are causing a lot of problems for the other. Just, just as a Celtics fan, I, I just, I could be biased, but I do think that the Celtics are letting Milwaukee off the hook more than Milwaukee is giving Boston a chance to, uh, to, um, I don't know. I just totally lost what I was saying. One player that I am kind of <laughs> um, trying to save you here. One player that I am kind of intrigued about during the series is, I believe, um, Jalen Brown, who has been good at times, but I feel like he's been really inconsistent. Like, he shot pretty pretty poorly in Game 1, and in Game 2, he shot amazingly, scored, I think, at least 30 points, and then in Game 3, another not-so-great performance, so... Well, no, Game 3, he didn't have an, an 
a great game, but in the fourth quarter when they needed him, he was he was scoring. He 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 did have one really bad possession late in the game where he drove the ball, had no chance of scoring, and ended up being a miss. But in the fourth quarter, I think he made it at least one three, if not two. Had a couple nice drives. So at least compared to Tatum in Game Three, who I think went four for nineteen from the field, whatever it was, it was ugly. Tatum really lost that game for the Celtics because it could have had something to do with with getting injured both before the game and also during the game. His left hand after a hard foul from Giannis. So I would hope that a pretty slight injury like that, or at least like he didn't, he didn't show any signs, any major signs of suffering from any injury. So I would hope a tweak like that wouldn't cause him to to really throw off his game that much. But credit to the Bucks a little bit because Wesley Matthews has done a much better job than I would have thought. Uh, on Jason Tatum, considering he had Kevin Durant on him for a lot of the Nets series, also Bruce Brown, who I would have thought would, would be a better defender than Wesley Matthews, but Matthews really has really been giving him no space. He's been trying really hard on defense, so it has been tough, but he should have scored more than six points or whatever it was yesterday. So, But even still, just if you want to talk about the ending now, Smart misses that shot. The Bucks score the next four points, and then Marcus Smart goes up for a three, gets fouled with the Celtics down three really could have called a foul like in the act of shooting to give smart three free throws which Ime Adoka the Celtics coach thought that that was the case smart thought it was the case a lot of Celtics thought it was the case I thought it was pretty close I think in that case uh, it is a little bit tough for the referees because obviously the Celtics are going to try for a three down three with under 10 seconds left but obviously the Bucks are going to try to foul to to stop a three so uh, you kind of have conflicting strategies there, but yeah, it definitely could have been called, but I'm not uh, like totally like up, up in arms about the whistle. Uh, they get the two free throws, but it was just more, it was more frustrating to watch smart perfectly miss the second free throw to give the Celtics a chance for a tip in, but just have none of those fall. And then of course they make one, you know, half a second after the, after the buzzer sound. So yeah, tough loss. Uh, I almost would have rather, have seen them just not make it close after being down by 14. But at the same time, moving forward in the series, it was nice to see them claw back, considering that they weren't able to do so in game one and game two, they stopped the Bucks from, from clawing back too. So yeah, game four is almost a must win. Not totally, but obviously a 3-1 deficit is tough to come back from. But yeah, Tatum especially needs to come back with a star game four because all the odds are going to be on him. I definitely think that... Uh... If the series ends in box playing in seven, that game three is definitely going to be something that gets talked about for a long time because it really did seem like the Celtics had a chance to at least bring it to overtime, especially if um, the foul that was called on Smart ended up being a shooting foul, which I think some people, I think even um, Coach uh, Ime Adoka argued that it should have been a shooting foul, but it was it was not called correctly. A lot of the Celtics after that game were very upset about the call but honestly in, in the moment I wasn't surprised to see a non-shooting foul called because it it happens a lot in the NBA where, where a guy especially in late game situations where a guy wants that call but it just it's really tough when it's it, it wasn't like he had shot it and it was it was on the it was on him falling down after the shot it was it was really close so I wasn't compared to some other calls in that game and I think the refs really were uh, whistle heavy on both ends because the Celtics did get a lot of free throws in that game. So definitely helped us there to stay in the game. But I really wasn't too upset about that one. Yeah, I think it's a call that really could have gone either way. I mean, I, I saw 
what happened myself. I mean, it, you could definitely tell that he did plan on shooting, but he definitely didn't have the uh, the full motion when he was fouled. So it's one of those things that just is a huge gray area. Unfortunately, just didn't go Celtics way. But even after that, they, you know, like you said, they still had the chance to at least bring an overtime. And Smart, you know, intentionally missed a free throw, did a really good job at it too, so that um, Rob Williams got the beat, but then he misses a tip in. And then uh, Smart got it first, and he missed a tip, and then Williams got the rebound from that, and he missed a tip in too. And Horford finally gets another rebound, and he tips it in, but unfortunately the buzzer goes off just a bit too soon. Yeah, and just, I know that Brooke Lopez and Giannis are really good at guarding the rim against the Celtics, but I've seen way too many layups uh, just missed around the rim, like just bouncing off the backboard and the rim and, and going out or just really close end one calls where, where a guy driving to the basket will get a foul, but he just can't he just can't get the end one opportunity. So Derek White had a couple in that game. Uh, Brown has, has had a bunch going to the room where he's missed. So uh, And also, I just I just think the Celtics should be doing more of what DeMar DeRozan did in game two to beat this Bucks team is because they're going to close out on the three. They are going give to up, give up a bunch of open threes, especially the guys who they want shooting, but just – driving in the in-between area between the paint and the uh, three-point line and just taking some of those mid-range shots, floaters. I thought it feels like Tatum, if he can't get all the way to the basket, has just stopped pulling up for mid-range jumpers or just doing doing those little floaters because it feels like those shots are a pretty high percentage when, when guys take them, but it feels like they either want a straight line drive for the rim or a three, and, and, and sometimes they just don't they just don't take that little jump shot. So... Uh, I definitely want them to take more of those shots because it just put it up, put it up soft and, and try to see if you can get the offensive rebounder to get a make because even when the threes are open, just taking a bunch of threes and hoping they go down because that was really what won them game two was I think they had 20 threes and the Bucks only had three. And then in game three, it was a lot closer with, with both teams really struggling. So it just, it isn't great to say, okay, if, if we make all our threes, we'll win. But if we don't, then it'll be really tough. So uh, at least they have the defense too, which has been, I think, through three games, keeping the Bucks to barely over 100 points. But then on our end, the Celtics, they've scored, they scored 89 in game one, just over 100 in, in game two. And then game three, again, 101 points. So I think whoever out of these two teams breaks out from the offensive end, Will win the series or just um if it stays like this it'll probably go seven games and it'll be really tight all the way all the way through yeah you compare a series like this that is definitely at least the way it could sound is more like defense based but then you look, look over go into the west you see a series like the warriors nuggets and the warriors they just won 142 to 112 in their most recent game and in all those games both teams have scored over 100 points usually well over 100 points too yeah, there aren't, there aren't any Al Horford's, Rob Williams, or uh, Brooke Lopez over on those two teams where the centers are like Draymond Green at some points or uh, for the Grizzlies, like Brandon Clark, who isn't, who isn't that really huge center down low. Yeah, exactly. So a, a, lot, a lot more pace in those ones where the Celtics are just pretty slow. And um, I am a little concerned because I think I think if a team is going to, win this series easily at this well obviously at this point the bucks up 2-1 it would take at least six games to beat them but i just think in the games themselves the bucks with Giannis and their ability to shoot threes i trust more than the celtics who can do it themselves but 
by just, you know, seeing Pat Connaughton or Grayson Allen or Bobby Portis take a three, I would feel more confident for, as a Bucks fan and seeing even Grant Williams, who had a great game too and has been pretty good this series, just seeing him take a three or Derek White take a three or Pritchard, who's all of a sudden stopped making anything, which is really hurt because he was pretty big in that Mets series to, to sort of uh, stem any runs they made. He would hit a three or hit a jump shot or something. So Pritchard, I think, is an underrated guy who had been a pretty consistent contributor for the Celtics and has all of a sudden started missing every single shot he's taken, which is really hurt. But yeah, I still think while the Bucks with that 2-1 lead are more likely to win now, as long as the Celtics can win game four, then I think that game five in Boston, it, it, like I, I think after the first two games, the series really became a five-game series because both of those were, were pretty even. And then if the Celtics can, can take care of business in game four, then it'll, it'll really just be a three-game series where you can uh, kind of throw out the first four games because they were so so evenly matched. So it wasn't like one team would have more momentum going into a, going into a game five yeah kind of speaking of game five this is a very loose segue but i just saw that the bruins just beat the hurricanes game four so the series is officially tied for them so hopefully the celtics can do what they did and also tie up the series uh when they play you know yeah i was definitely surprised to see the bruins uh win both games back home considering how much better the hurricanes looked in the first two games but yeah back to even for those teams and I think now you'd have to give the Bruins the edge at least in in our momentum for the series after a huge game four win so yeah I think after having little to no chance of winning the series the Bruins are right back in it and, and you could even make the argument that they should be favored to win it now considering how, how good they've looked in the uh, two games back in Boston so I guess you could say you're feeling pretty optimistic now with the Bruins which may have not been the case not too long ago because they that's some pretty devastating losses i saw in the first two games yeah i i think this game was, was really a turning point for them and i think if they can win game five in carolina which is by no means a guarantee but coming home for a game another game six in boston would be a, a really tough one for the hurricanes i think to win uh conversely yeah but um yeah now let's get back to a team that really is not doing well for boston and i think many of you listening probably already know where we're going is the red sox who are very close to being 10 games under 500 now. Um, at the time of the recording, they just lost their third game to the White Sox in a three-game sweep of sweep for them, and they were a team that wasn't even doing that well either. So The White Sox have won six in a row now, but before that, they were struggling. Uh, yeah, that is true. But the Red Sox, I mean, also, I mean, to the Orioles, who are just known for being one of the worst teams like consistently, they... Well, better they, than us now. Yeah, that's true. They are better than Red Sox now. It just cause goes to show just how poorly they've been doing. They only have really have a few good hitters that are like above average. Those are the guys you expect, like Bogarts, Devers, Martinez. Everyone else is really struggling, especially um, their new guy, Trevor Story. He's making right now. If if he continues to play as he is, he's really he's gonna make that six year, hundred forty million contract look really really bad. He has zero home runs after one month of baseball, which is uh, not what you want to see. Yeah, the Red Sox have been tough. A lot of close losses. 0-6 in extra inning games. It isn't like they're like, you know, only a minus five run differential. I think they're like a minus 25 or whatever. So uh, it isn't like they could easily be, you know, 19 and 10 compared to 10 and 19. But uh, yeah, last place right now in the AL East really could make the case that if this keeps up longer, it would make a lot of sense to uh, trade Sander Bogart to by all accounts, is not going to want to re-sign with the Red Sox after this season. So 
really could be thinking about a year that really just goes down the drain and you just trade Bogart, see what you can get, move story to shortstop. Hope I'm, it's just it's only been a month into the six year contract, so you don't want to make too many conclusions right away, but move him to short and then go from there. I guess it'll it'll kind of be tough to envision what the future is. But well, I think another problem with Red Sox now is uh, their bullpen. Something I've noticed is just looking at like the game box scores that they've given up a lot of leads late in the game. Yeah, Hansel Robles has blown the last two games. They they had a one run lead in the ninth inning against the uh, the Angels in, in the last game of that series, and then the White Sox uh, last night. And then yeah, uh, just there's really no one in the bullpen who you can really say. Ever since Garrett Whitlock moved to the rotation, that bullpen is really uh, hit or miss, and it's been miss a, a lot over the last week and a half. Yeah. I suppose um, one bright spot right now in the Red Sox rotation, though, is uh, Michael Watcha. He's been looking pretty good. He has a, currently has an ERA of 1.38, OIP yeah. below 1, ERA plus of 289. So he's definitely like one of their shining stars right now. Yeah. All of their starters pretty much besides uh, Nick Pavetta, who, but even he had a, he went six innings yesterday with, with no runs allowed. But all their starters have given them plenty of chances to win, but They've either not gotten the run support or the bullpen has blown it, or in some cases, both. So it has not been a fun season for the Red Sox. Uh, really, you cannot point to any games that are really much much fun to watch at all, to be honest. Yeah, if you look at this team, you would definitely not think that they made it to the ALCS just last season, and now they're last in the AL East. Yeah, it really didn't feel like that much changed unless you want to count Chris Yale getting hurt again, so he wasn't available, and, and he also had a setback, so who knows if he'll even pitch in next any time in the next 10 years, so we'll see how that goes. But not too much really changed for the Red Sox, but not having the same results. So I'm still going to watch because it still feels like there is a small chance of a turnaround, but like you said, almost 10 games behind the Yankees at this point, the uh, division is not looking great, and then uh, just – being last place in the division, you're not really thinking wild card either. So another month like this, and there uh, it could be a long summer for any sports fans with basketball and hockey ending and then the Red Sox being bad. So, yeah. Yeah, I think especially adding uh, insult injuries at the Yankees, on the other hand, they're doing really well. They're, I think they're one of the best teams, without the best team in the entire MLB. Yeah. We could be due for another Subway series, but the Yankees and Mets who have looked really, really strong this year to open the year. I, I was stunned to see uh, the Mets come back from down seven to one in the ninth inning to win eight to seven because I had seen that score seven to one Phillies and had not looked at it until the next day. And I saw the Mets had won and it really does feel like they're having a really good season, but obviously uh, Dodgers are, and also Padres who have come out hot too in the NL West are going to be contenders, but yeah, uh, none of those lists, including the Red Sox right now. I guess, well, if anything, Red Sox are going to be playing some new opponents soon. They're playing the Braves um, yeah. this week. Who, who also really haven't uh, played too well after winning the World Series. Yeah, and they also have the uh, Rangers, which, like, I mean, the Rangers, I don't know if they're uh, that great of a team this year either. No. Even with their new acquisitions. Yeah, I think the Rangers are barely better than the Red Sox, if, if at all. So definitely playing two opponents who should not by any means crush you, but who knows with how bad it's been, how it's going to go going on the road now. So it could really be like if they go like uh, one and four on the road trip or one and five, however many games it is, then you really could be looking at like 
meaningless baseball starting already in May, which would be tough. But you you could also you know go five and one and and start to build some uh, m- momentum going forward in the season. So it could end up being an important road trip. Oh, they could end up going three and three and not not really doing anything at all. So I think I got all the bases covered there. Yeah, you were right. It is uh, five games they played. They have two against Atlanta, and then they have three against uh, Texas. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I suppose we have a little bit of time left. Do you want to talk about anything else going on this week at all? Or? No, I mean, I think uh, the NBA playoffs with the Warriors winning last night, beating the Grizzlies by 30 points, e- even after Memphis uh, got off to a hot start in that game. I think you're looking at Warriors-Suns in the conference finals. Also, the, the Suns, who I thought might have stumbled against the Mavericks, won the first two games in that series. So uh, it, it'll be a big game for them today. Uh, the uh, time we're recording this to uh, play Dallas and see if they can go up 3-1. But uh, yeah, and then in the East, just Celtics-Bucks hopefully goes goes deep in that series now that the Celtics are trailing. And then Philly is even making it a series against the Heat after losing the first two games. But MB did come back in game three. I'm sure he's not, not 100% at all, but did enough to help them win. So it should be good there. And then I've, I've been watching a little bit of the NHL playoffs in the first round. And uh, a lot of the teams who I'm rooting for to uh, to make it, like Colorado or Edmonton or Minnesota, have, have, have all have leads in their series. So I'm glad to see that. The, the one, and then we'll see. We'll see what happens with the Bruins and see if they can advance to play the winner of uh, Rangers Pittsburgh, which has been a pretty close series too. A lot of drama there with uh, goalies being out and a lot of goals being scored. Uh, I'm sorry if I missed you saying, but how are the Minnesota Wild doing? So they lost game one, but the, but they've gone on to crush the Blues in the next two games. So it's it's looking good for them. Same thing with Edmonton, who lost who lost a close game one to the Kings, but then have absolutely blown the doors off them in the next two games. So it is looking good for the Oilers in the Wild. They, they wouldn't play each other, but it would be tough for Minnesota because they'd have to play Colorado, who's up 3-0 right now in the Predators. So it isn't like it's a great chance for them to make a deep run, but it, w- it would be nice to see them make it, beat the Blues, who obviously uh, people aren't too fond of around here. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just really hoping to bring out that Wild shirt, you know? Yeah, if you have it, wear it because right now they're they're really uh, doing well. Yeah, I'll try my best to uh, root them on from like a thousand miles away, or however far we are from yeah. Minnesota. Yeah, three and a half hours on by plane, so yeah, it, it's a lot. Yeah, I think like twenty hours by car. Uh, yeah, I think we did enough to um get enough content for the podcast. So, so yeah, that's going to do it. Uh, this week for the Wooden Bads podcast. Um, this is likely going to be the last episode, as this was a podcast that I I worked on for uh, my internship, which is ending very soon. So I uh, just want to thank everyone. If there was really anyone that listened to this, I hope that you all have a good rest of your lives. Peace.